are the things that you expect of the city of Atlanta to be at? Like the vibes you expect? What's the energy you expect from Atlanta? Black. <laughs> One word. That's it. That's it. Perfect. Perfect. What's up, good people? Welcome into Montgomery and Company. I'm Renee Montgomery. And listen, sports is sporting, okay? We saw Michigan State and Michigan getting a little tussle in the tunnel. We also saw the NWSL Championship game, as I'm going to talk more about. Shouts to the Portland Thorns. We have our MoCo newsroom going on this week, and there's a lot going on with that, okay? Twitter's changing, and y'all know I love Twitter. I'm stressed about that. Julia Roberts, Coretta Scott King. There's a lot going on, but... The headliner this week is Amanda Seals. We talked to her about a little bit of everything. We talked to her about politics. We talked to her about social media. How does that affect your professional career and casting? We talk about a little bit of everything. So stay tuned and tap in. Let's go. So listen, we were at the NWSL championship weekend this week. First of all, Shouts to Jessica Berman, the commissioner over there. Love her energy and everything that's going on. So, okay, so the weekend started with I hosted one of the segments in a panel. It was a dope room where there were brand sponsors. There were athletes. There were owners. There was a lot of different people there, but it was a very powerful room. Delta was there. MasterCard was there. Um, Alexis other people might know him as Serena's husband, but he was amazing. He was talking there. There were male allies there. Um, there was just a lot of different people there. And so it felt amazing. One of the things that I talked about was how can we use each other to build momentum? As in like, I'm the WNBA in a sense of an owner, player turned owner. But what about the NWSL? They're growing in the same way we are. They have the same fight we have. So I'm like, why don't we all just link up and become our own Avengers? And we got allies in this thing. So it's not just about women only, but it's about raising women's sports. So that's kind of what the panel was about. But then there was also the championship game. So it was dope because it was Serena's first game and it was exciting because I wanted to see what the atmosphere was like. You know, we ran into Alicia Clark, Elizabeth Williams, Terry Jackson. So we saw that there was some basketball, uh, soccer intersection going on. I ran into a lot of people. Shouts to Kelsey Trainer, But it was just like the energy in the building. I have recently been watching Wrexham. And so as I was watching Wrexham, there's just a different feel for soccer. There's the drums. There's the chants. There's the, you know, things waving and different things of that nature. It had all of that. And of course, it had the talent, the skill set. I played soccer in high school and I basically was just there. So that like what I was doing, I don't even want to call myself a soccer player, but I was out there playing soccer. So just to see that level of talent, I mean, listen, we got to shout out Sophia Smith for real, for real, because not only was she MVP of the league, then she got finals MVP. She kind of did what Asia Wilson did over here on the WNBA side. So shouts to the NWSL, shouts to the Portland Thorns on a championship, shouts to all the growth going on over there, and also shouts to the NWSL saying no to the bag that was sent to them from the TV package, whatever that was. They said, do better. The price went up. Shouts to that. MoCo Newsroom. Boy, we missed y'all last week, by the way. So we back at it. Shouts to the fam for doing MoCo Halloween because we called it MoCo Ween. But thank y'all for being a good sport. I already told y'all before, but when we come with these crazy ideas, Cole always, y'all know Cole's facial expression. She's always like, oh Lord, what y'all got us into. <laughs> but, but shouts to yep. the crew. Happy post Halloween. And let's get up in this thing. Okay, so who's going to start us out in the newsroom today? Well, I'll start us out. Okay. Let's start out on some foolishness. Uh, and then we can see if we get to something serious in here. But let's just start out with Mr. Kanye, or as people are now calling him, Yay. And let's talk about how Mr. Kanye tried to walk up into uh, Skechers uninvited without an appointment. And so basically, he walked into the Manhattan Beach, California headquarters for Skechers and 
just said he was just going to meet up with some people and talk about some things. And so them in very proper fashion. And apparently he tried to make have a filming going on and and all that. And they just shut that totally down. It was like an escorted from the building. So here's my question to people. Can you imagine being the person at the front desk who had to call upstairs <laughs> and tell them that Kanye West is down That's here crazy. in the in down here in this uh, foyer here and wants to speak to someone in regards to his brand? And then can you imagine what two executives? Because it had to be somebody with some names and some stuff credentials behind him. Because you know he wasn't going to leave if it was just Okie Dokie <laughs> Sam and and me and we just walk up and we were just like Okie Dokie Nicole and Sam like Hey, it's nice to meet you. And they'd be like, No, nah, I want to hear the, the big people. So what two executives had to come from upstairs? Yeah, and escort him out the building. That is just a, the most funniest thing. And then to piggyback on Mr. Ye to stay on that same thing, and that was CNN Business that actually talked about Mr. Ye walking wow. from being escorted from business from the building. Then on top of that goodwill said we are no longer putting out any of yeezy's clothes on our shelves so you know you have really messed up when goodwill is not even accepting your clothes (laughs) yeah it's eternal events i mean like we don't want your charity (laughs) it's just i mean you asked what about being those execs what about being kanye west a week ago where if kanye Mm -hmm. west said he was coming to the headquarters of anywhere a month ago there would have been a red carpet that was rolled out starting at the airport. You yes. know, like it would have been just yes. The, yes. the ultimate welcome. And it just shows you like, man, the Kanye. The of it all. Because, Woo. I mean, he said something racist before concerning the black race and no one withdrew anything. Hmm. It's okay. You know, it's just the hypocrisy uh, Ooh, that now hypocrisy. this one, now it brought down the house, but the first one, <laughs> it was just, ah, uh, you know, he just said that. That's just know. yay being yay. Yeah, 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 yeah that's yeah, the yeah. problem. That is a problem. Yeah, well, it's that's the problem. thing though. People let you, you play with who lets you play with them. That's we right. saw We right. see who you don't play with. And I mean, like I yeah. saw that Robert Kraft, he sponsored a whole segment ad that went into Sunday night football to make an ad about, you know, to to stop. So oh, he was addressing anti-Semitism. Exactly. So mm-hmm. you play with who who allows you to play <laughs> yeah. with them. They look, folks was like in the Jewish community, they was like, no, we don't play them reindeer games. And they let you know that you don't play with our name. So you know, that's Robert the same Kraft, thing. Excuse me. Robert Kraft should have said that back in the day. I mean, you know, look at the the biggest majority of his players. He should have said this. Yeah, but that's what that's what people see, are saying. It's on it's 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 on what what did we do about it? You know what I mean? I was say, we went out and bought the new Yeezy. We bought the mm. new shoe. We went out there to Gap and dug through trash bags to get yeah. Uh, yeah, sweatshirts and stuff. Yeah, you can't be mad at a community for we not allowing hate. Yeah. Like, Did you see what he recently said? He said that he takes back the comments yep. that he made on George Floyd sure. because now he knows what it's like to have a knee on your neck because of all these no, companies he pulling out. Exactly. No, he doesn't. He had to pay That's out disgusting. more money than he probably wanted to pay out. That's what he realized, that people weren't going to sit down or stand up or any kind of way and take his stuff. Exactly. So this is, listen, a lesson that we all should take from this yay situation is people treat you how you allow them to treat you. And the Jewish community said, we don't play them games. We know that everybody plays games on the internet. Everybody says things for clout. Everybody says things to get a PR run, to get attention. The Jewish community lets you know, don't play with us. And so that's a, that's a lesson to everybody. If somebody says something about your community or about something that you feel passionate about, the way that you don't play with them is you don't buy their stuff. You don't, I mean, this is since the beginning of time. You don't buy their brand. You don't acknowledge that they said it. You just don't acknowledge that person. That's what the Jewish community did. They never said Ye's name. They just went about saying there's, you know, there's, his yeah, they said kingdom. there's 8 million Jewish people in the United States of America. That's less than watching Monday night, fo- Sunday night football. Like they made a very strong, powerful feast that, we are standing up for that 8 million. Listen, we saw the blueprint. Next time somebody comes for your community, I'm not saying, yeah, I'm not saying, oh, cancel everybody, but I'm saying this has been, this is not like a one-time thing. This is a behavior now we're starting to see. Once you see a behavior, we got to believe it. And then we got to do accordingly because we can't get mad at another community for being like, no, we don't play them games. Like they shut it down quick. 
Yep. You know, I've talked about this on the show before, and I've said that we really need to return to days of old because society is trying to return us to the days of old. So we need to go on back there and start our boycotts. I mean, you know, they were very successful. I mean, I, I, I feel that there would be a lot besides our race that would join in if they knew the circumstances behind some of these things or some of these companies and the monies that they're putting in. Now, me personally, I'm not going to say it on air from what I read. And I see what CEO is backing what or whatever. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not fooling with those companies. I'm not getting a list of people or whatever. But we as people need to be smarter than we are when it comes to things like this. Let it be like water off a duck's back and just take it and go on. We need to really stand up and let people know that we hear, we understand, and we're not going to give our money to companies and individuals who act this way. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's exactly what's happening. That's why he he feels a pressure, which is why he retracted his statement about George Floyd. So he's definitely feeling pressure from, from the bigger companies. But yeah, I agree. All right. So now we know there's a way to combat that. What's next in the newsroom? Uh, okay, so while we're still on the topic of music artists, Shaka Khan recently said something that could probably offend some newer age artists. So last week during the Angel Ball for Gabriel's Angel Foundation for Cancer Research, she said, quote, there is some great stuff out there and there are great artists. And there are some very fine young artists out there doing great work that I am impressed with. But she also added, but the others, they just need to get them a job at the post office. They are always hiring. People are using auto-tune. They need to get to the post office quick. Oh, so my Lord. I, I feel, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. As a music artist, I was like, whoa, okay, I understand. But auto-tune has become kind of a norm in the studio. I mean, it's kind of like a given now. It's kind of like tone correction, tune correction, whatever it's called. I mean, I'm pretty sure they've used it on my vocals as well. So I'm like, oh my God, I feel no, attacked. No, 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 no. Look, what's she? We've living room and we didn't have anything there exactly. listen and here's the, and here's and I let me tell you I do agree with Shaka Khan to a point and I'm gonna tell you my father taught me this very young and I didn't know what he was talking about because you know being young and your dad's older and you're like okay dad whatever but dad said a real artist can perform their craft whether they're eight or whether they're 80. So <laughs> if you're 80 years old, when Aretha Franklin was sitting on the stage, she didn't have to get up. When she was sitting on stage, blowing the place out, that is a real artist. Now, That's when true. you talk about tune correction, correcting a little minor here and there, you made a mistake, okay? And you know, it, it just to even it out, it's good. Okay, these <laughs> people cannot sing without... <laughs> auto-tune and also some people like uh t-pain have made it kind of like their style but that's fine you know? because we know that's what t-pain's style is mm -hmm. but you have some people out here definitely started a trend too. a trend but yeah. people are out here trying to sound like you naturally but using <laughs> auto-tune to do it and then if you go to a concert and their music and all that goes away they can't sing a lick. Concert's over. Shut it down. <laughs> oh, they're using it at concerts, too, which is crazy. Roy just said in the chat, no one could fix Fergie's rendition of the national anthem at the NBA All-Star Game. Not even God. Roy! Because we all remember that game. Hey, if, 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 it's any, if it's worth anything, the national anthem is a very hard song It's a to very, sing. very hard thing to do. So only the strong survive. <laughs> only the strong survive. But I think that there is a... You know, like there's like a fine line of this, like if there's an artist that you're not supposed to be known for your vocal, like if you're a powerhouse singer and we found out that you couldn't sing, I think it happened too when we started to see the versus battles. I don't know if anybody was oh paying attention to the versus gracious. battles, but there were some artists that people said wasn't sounding like their track. And then Usher, that's how the watch this thing became a thing because mm -hmm. Usher was like, in my live show at my residency in Vegas, I'm going to show y'all that I sound just like and my tracks. Oh, yeah, so did. I think that that's what people are trying to distinguish. It's not about just fine tuning or fixing a little here or there, but it's like, can you sing in real life or not? And if oh. not, if not. <laughs> Auto-tune came into existence about 25 or 30 years too late for me because I've always wanted to be <laughs> And if I had it have been out there, I would have been a big recording artist because I would have been using it and performing. No, <laughs> no, you said you got the stage presence. 
because you had all that handle. <laughs> she still got it. She's missing a little bit of the voice. That reminds me of uh, my sister-in-law, Kay Cruz, because like she can be a rapper right now. I'm going to oh, tell yeah. you right now. Yeah, she I think has that's like low-key her dream. The whole persona. <laughs> all we need is a ghost writer. If y'all are out there, holla at your girl. <laughs> Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, that's crazy. So, all right. I like that. I mean, Miss Shaka Khan, listen, mm. I always feel some type of way because when the legends say something, it's like, she, you she just say it. She can say it. When they asked Aretha Franklin about certain artists and she was giving her real rendition and she said Taylor <laughs> Swift, she liked her dresses or something like that. You just got to respect it because that mm-hmm. is somebody who could truly tell you about yourself and you can't get mad about it. Don't get mad about it. Just do better. That's yes. cool. Just Let's do better. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to jump on in here next uh, okay. without any cue uh, and do my story. But uh, I saw in People magazine where Julia Roberts had done an interview with Gail King and Gail asked her about her birth and who paid for it because some researcher had uncovered that Martin Luther King and Coretta Scott King had actually paid for her birth at the hospital. How is and this possible? the reason for that was that Coretta Scott had called her mom uh, because they had an acting studio or acting courses and Coretta couldn't find anywhere for her kids to take acting lessons or whatever. So she'd called there and uh, Julia Roberts' mother said, oh, yeah, bring them on, bring them on. So when they had this little uh, you know, problem with paying for the hospital bill, Martin Luther and Coretta stepped in and paid. What? That is so crazy. How, of how that is it just so, shows that's crazy. what a giving people, you know, yeah, he was out there. He was for all people. You know, it didn't matter. Oh. So that's just one of the wow. stories that lets you know where his heart truly what, was. And wow. also and also where her family's heart was, because at that mm-hmm. time it that wasn't that allowed. Wasn't, so for her just to say, bring your children on was something yeah. also shows you what their family yeah. was about yeah. too, because they could have simply said, Oh no, we don't like everybody else. We we don't accept those type of children here. You know, it could have been that situation as well. So you know, it just it worked out. It showed you, like you said, two great families that work together. And then look, it's just amazing how small the world is. Yeah. It's crazy because I'm sure that Julia Roberts has known this her whole life. And the (laughs) fact that we're finding this out right now, it's like, that's incredible because... First of all, I'm a fan of Julia Roberts movies. Pretty Woman was just Pretty on at the hotel. Hey, listen, walking down the street. Notting Hill. You love Notting Hill. Notting Hill is one of my favorite oh, yeah. movies of all time. So I don't know why, but this just makes me feel closer to Julia. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I like her, man. I knew yes. I liked that I know, family. It's like, it like, wow, like out of all people, Julia, he's like, she was just meant for greatness. Even like, wow, like you, yeah. like that's that's just incredible. That's that's crazy. Great wow. story. I mean, you never know. That's one of those stories you never know. And so I guess I'm going to close this newsroom out. Like I hate, we should have ended with Snook's story because my story, you know, we, we flying high right now and I don't want to bring us down but I think I'm about to bring us down okay (laughs) because Twitter's CEO CFO and head of legal affairs among those sacked as Elon Musk takes control of the company now y'all know I y'all knew I was going to bring this story to the newsroom because I love Twitter okay I'm out of there I love you're not out of Twitter just yet but let me just say I love Twitter, y'all. Like when I tell you, like I told y'all, I tell I tell y'all good morning. Sometimes I tell you good night, happy Halloween, you know, Merry Christmas, all of that. Like we're family, we're friends and family on there. There's so many things that's happening. Like for instance, the first day that Elon Musk took over Twitter, there was a 500% spike in using the N-word with the E-R at the end, the hard N-word. Okay, so there was a huge spike. And then there was a side note. There was a high school girl who felt like she was a victim because people saw her using the N-word on the social media platforms. And then they found out who she was. And y'all know how that story ends when... I don't know what you thought was going to happen when you was using the N-word freely. Side note, during Halloween, there was a guy that dressed up as a Nazi, uh, somebody from a Nazi member and just walked into a bar in Soho, New York, as if nothing was wrong. So then also on Twitter, I'm just rolling out the whole what in the world is going on. Also on Twitter, 
This is Snooker Booker. Hold on a second. We're going to leave this in, too. Snooker, are you okay over there? No, your sister is up there putting all her comments in. in, in mom's phone must not be because my phone tried to do it, too. And I was Shouts like, to Shay. What up, Shay? We're trying Shay, to film right sissy. now, Shay. What up, Shay? <laughs> but on top of that, so on top of those things that's happening, Elon Musk takes over. Boom. He fires a lot of the top execs right away. He also says that there's going to be a $20 per month to maintain your verified badge. So there's been a lot of what? talk about. I didn't know yes, about that. $20. Let me repeat that. $20 a month to keep your verified badge. So if you're verified, <laughs> Lord have mercy. She's going through the whole thing, the whole it's chat. The fam chat is going off right now. <laughs> Snook can't silence her stuff. But Roy makes a good point. Yeah. That $20 per month to maintain your badge, that's going to affect a lot of journalists. That's going to affect mm-hmm. a lot of folks. That's mm-hmm. going to affect a lot of people. And I know everybody's like, oh, so what's the big deal about a badge? When there's so much false information flying around, when you see a verified badge, and I know that that doesn't mean as much as it used no. to, because I do understand that there's politicians and different people that have verified badges that are still spreading false information. So I understand that there is already that happening. But the whole point of verifying certain people is so that you know, okay, this really is the rock and not somebody that says it's the rock. Or you can verify that this really is a journalist that writes for the AJC. This journalist really writes for the athletic. That's what a verified badge does, because now let's just for the people that can't understand where I'm going, let's say there's there's no verified badges and now somebody just writes in their profile, writer for The Athletic. Why would you not believe that? Or how would you distinguish that they are or aren't? I could change my bio right now to say I write for The New York Times. You don't know if I do or don't. So there's a problem where you can't verify who's writing what and who's saying what. Facebook used to have a gray and a blue one, to Paul's point. Like there was different checks and different things of that nature. So a lot of times people look at the verified checks like, oh, yeah, it's cool to have a verified check. But there are reasons for those things. So when somebody comes in and says that they're going to change systematically how things are set up and allow free speech, which, of course, when you get people a niche, they took free speech as hate speech. So people use that to now, of course, say the N word and use a hard ER. High school students, college students, anybody with any sense. Don't follow trends. You will get in trouble. Nobody's going to feel sorry when the world starts to attack you after you followed a very negative trend. So my story that I'm bringing to the newsroom is that Elon Musk's sell of Twitter has went through and boy, has it went through. Mm. Uh, I'm going to say it. I never, ever could really understand Twitter. And y'all all know this. <laughs> And so this does not hurt my feelings because I I hate going in there because I could never figure it out. But now the problem I have with this thing is free speech is fine. But then when you wake up on your timeline and you have a bunch of idiots on here just massacring, you know, different ethnicities and all this stuff going on. It's just uh, it's just ridiculous. And I just think that, you know, that's the part for me that makes me want to just go away from it. I'm not saying that Facebook is any better because Facebook be trying to sneak some stuff in there, too. But at a far less rate because they're supposed to be monitoring and making sure that this doesn't happen. But to your point, uh, Mr. Musk, he fired his head of uh, censorship security or something like that on air, you know, so no respect for anyone who is going to have accountability for what people say. And that's another problem I have. And that's why I said, I'm not going to miss Twitter. If they it just, <laughs> it's not going to miss it. I'm just not. Right. Like, what is the agenda? He's not going to pay any attention to the people who use Twitter, but those sponsors and those businesses that pay for the ads and things on Twitter, if they start withdrawing in big, big chunks, it'll change his outlook and change his free speech. Right. No, that's a good point. (laughs) That is a good point. And LeBron, of course, commented on this because I'm sure that of, of that free speech that people now are allowed to have, You have to understand the athletes are always going to feel an effect of whatever happens. So that hate speech, I'm sure LeBron earlier this year, there was an article about like who receives the most tweets and it was LeBron. And then it was like, who receives the most hate tweets? And it was LeBron. So it's like, you know, those things work the same way. And so LeBron, there was a tweet that said Elon Musk's Twitter takeover sparked a surge in the use of the N word on the social media platform. A social media research group told the Washington Post the use of the slur increased by nearly 500%. That's what I had told you guys earlier. LeBron responded to that tweet from Philip Lewis and said, 
I don't know Elon Musk. And to be honest, I could care less who owns Twitter. But I will say that if this is true, I hope he and his people take this very seriously because this is scary, blank. So many unfit people saying hate speech is free speech. So it's already starting to hit the celebrities and the athletes Shonda and the different Rimes. people of that world. Some Shonda Rhimes. already out. They're pulling out the big people. And I don't, and I don't blame the big them. people and corporate America to, to do something. And then and then it'll, something will happen. But just the normal people dropping off 100,000, yeah. 200,000. He's not going to be care, caring about he's that. He's not going to care because he's trying to make his money back. So you have to remember that he's a businessman. So why, right when you see the $20 Twitter badge that they said might go into effect no, by November 11th, by the way, this is not like down the line things that we're talking about. These are things that could be happening really quickly. He's a businessman trying to recoup his expenses because Twitter wasn't cheap. And so he like, look, that's y'all that's, I was just going to say money that. Pulls yeah. out. I hope he loses a bunch of money. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like he's hurting charging people for verification. Yeah, I'm going to say, if you're so rich and you think this is all good, then why are you charging people? Why are you charging people <laughs> yeah. money? You should be about yeah. the cause, right? That's the cause, right? This <laughs> <laughs> is the why cause. Why call it Elon Musk broke? <laughs> we have to pay for his cause now. No, but I'm just saying, you know, a lot of people will say, well, you know, he's trying to make it so, you know, these people with these verified badges, $20 a month. I mean, I wouldn't care enough because I can say what I want to say regardless if I have a badge or not. People are going <laughs> to believe me if I don't have a badge or if I do have a badge. So why would I pay you $20 for them to verify what I'm saying is true when I can just say a bunch of lies and people still going to listen to me? If I get on there and say something about number 45 that's great and that's wonderful, it could be a complete, I could say he flew on a, a unicorn corn across the sky and drop 50 oh. bags of money the nut jobs that want to believe it are going to believe it mm-hmm. that's, that's true or not. so cole said i don't need to pay 20 dollars for anybody to believe me people believe anything anyway they and do. i was one of those people true. i remember i got caught uh renee had to tell me you have to look for the verified check yeah because nobody likes conversation with Shaq. I couldn't believe it, y'all. That's the story for another day. We don't, don't have time for that. But I'm going to tell you right now, Snook got on our fam group chat and was so excited that she was having one-on-one conversations with Shaquille O'Neal. I swear that I'm telling you the facts because this is how I met Shaq. Snook thought she met Shaq and I had to let her know, was there a blue check there? If not, boo-boo, you are talking to I don't know who. And, that, and that's why we need real verified badges that we don't have to pay for. But we'll talk to y'all about it next time. That's the In the MoCo Newsroom. Lord help us in Twitter, too. Coming up next, it's lit, y'all. We have the podcaster. We have the actress. We have the comedian who is also on tour right now. Smart, funny, and black. Check it out. It's usually sold out, but we have Amanda Seals in the building. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. We have comedian, writer, producer, actress, all of that, Amanda Seals, okay? Welcome to the show, Amanda. Hi, (laughs) y'all. Thank y'all for having me. Yes, sir. Okay, so Amanda, we're excited to have you, first of all, because of everything that you touch is like in our lane. And so, first of all, the Black Outside Tour is pulling up in Atlanta. We know that the Brat is one of your Black spurts. So I (laughs) I want you to explain to people that may not know what is it that a black spirit is and what do they do for you? Uh, so a black spirit is one of the key components of my show, Smart, Funny, and Black. Our black spirits are basically the name that we have for our contestants because Smart, Funny, and Black, even though it's a sing-along, even though it's improv, <laughs> even though it's a variety show, at its heart, it's a game show. And our black spirits are competing in games that I create that test their knowledge of black culture, black history, and the black experience. 
to at the end of the game find out who's going to be inducted into the illustrious league of master black spurts so <laughs> oh, that lit. sounds fun that sounds good yeah. like to compete in something All like right. that okay. <laughs> good right. it's a good time so yeah. smart funny and black the live show is a show that is in theaters and on stage. Um, so it's a live show that we do on stage. Our last show of the year will be in Brooklyn on October 29th. I haven't announced our second Black Spurt, but our first Black Spurt on that show is none other than Method Man. Whoa. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. So very, very, very excited. Yes. Geeking out, geeking out. And like, <laughs> let me just say that like, it was literally as easy as me being like, hey, Meth, would you want to do Smart, Funny, and Black? And he says, say less. Wow. Yeah. That's how it Happened. That's how you got to show up, okay? We were doing a radio show, uh, Smart, Funny, and Black Radio, just so, you know, when you have a brand and people really, like, support that brand, it becomes, like, how do you move that brand in different spaces and, Thanks. you know, expand that brand? So we were like, okay, let's expand Smart, Funny, and Black to a radio show. So we would play a game on the radio, but we'd also, like, talk about news stories and also it's in the mindset of talking about black culture, but with a humorous perspective. I always say it's by any joke necessary. So we were doing that. Um, we were doing that at LOL Network for a time, but we've been on a hiatus because of like contract stuff and just like trying to figure out how we can bring it back. So stay tuned, y'all. Stay tuned. Completely understand. Okay, but then we're going to get into it then. Smart, funny, and black. It reminds me of the saying, young, black, and gifted. Things we love to see. And you got a production company of the same name as well, yes, right? exactly. Come on with I it. love the expansion. That's dope. Yes. So I always like to ask people, when they book a show in Atlanta, what are the things that you expect of the city of Atlanta to be at? Like the vibes you expect? What's the energy you expect from Atlanta? Black. <laughs> <laughs> One word. That's it. That's it. Perfect. Perfect. That's it. Like I got off a flight. I got off a flight at, LA, at uh, LA's airport the other day and I was coming from Detroit, but I heard the, you know how they line up the wheelchairs. I heard one of the women say, oh, this must be an Atlanta flight because <laughs> there was so many black folks. But it's like, no, it's Detroit. Same difference. Okay. I like that. And you speaking of just black, congrats because you've been rolling for a while now playing the role of Tiffany on the iconic show Insecure. One of my favorite shows. What was it like, the community getting behind that show and just, I mean, it became a religion at a certain point. Definitely. We were sad when it ended. I got to say, I got to say, you know, we, we're fans for sure. Uh, well, thank you for the support. I mean, I think for anybody, you know, it's always a surprise. You don't really know what's going to hit and what's not going to yeah. hit, you know? So you just try and put your best foot forward. And so we were fortunate enough to come on at the right time in the right place and, you know, get the support of the community early on. And I think that's what also push the network to make sure that they got behind the show too. Nice. Now nah, that's dope. And so we're deep into the sports world. I played in the WNBA 11 years and the entertainment space. I see so many similarities between entertainment and the sports world and they cross a lot of times. And so in the sports world, we define greatness by championships. How many does somebody won statistics in their career? You're an actress, you're a comedian, you're a common sense specialist. So like amongst <laughs> other things, but how does people in that crossover entertainment space, like how do you guys define greatness in y'all space? And I know that's a big question, but I always wonder that when we have these conversations in sports, it's statistical, it's easy. But on other sides of it, it's maybe not as concrete. I mean, I think different people define it differently based on their values, right? Like for some people, it's just as basic as who's making the most money. Mm. For some people, it's as basic as who's the most famous. To me, I would base it on impact. You know, I don't think it's about how big your audience is, but more so about how strong your audience is, right? So how is the work that you're creating able to move folks and how, or, and even if it's not necessarily move them like in a activism way, like how does it move them and stir their emotions? You know, how is it able to be a part of their journey? You know, when you look at something as basic as like, okay, so if you look at like Disney and living single, right? Like I'm going to say like for black women, like there's impact in very strong ways on both ends. Like when I do a show, I can sing the living single soundtrack theme song <laughs> and everybody going to know the words, but then I can also sing part of your world and everybody's going to know the world. You got to think, you want to think of a Bob? I got 20, you know? <laughs> no, that's, yeah. that's, that's very true. So I would say impact. That's right. No, I love that because it, it brings me to like, 
we see the impact that the industry has on culture. And so there was big news that just came out. Warner Brothers is shutting down its writers, directors workshop and stage 13 <laughs> unit. Both are major paths for underrepresented voices in television. So like, I'm curious your thought on what does that do to the, the diversity movement in Hollywood? And I'm laughing because of your reactions, by the way, because I watch all your Instagram <laughs> videos and I, I can't yes! I, like, your We're reactions are reactions everything. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I think even even calling it a diversity movement is a misnomer. I think mm. there was a diversity knee jerk because people saw a black man murdered in front of them and they were like, ah, you know, and they really quickly wanted to tell themselves that they were better. Mm -hmm. So they were like, let's hire DEI specialists. And, mm -hmm. you know, in my mind, I'm like, if you need a DEI specialist. We already got a problem. Exactly. Um, and for what it's worth, like they give these specialist titles and they give them salaries, but they don't give them access in so many occasions. You know, they don't let them actually implement the things that need to be done to actually increase diversity. Because at the end of the day, Hollywood, like any other industry in America, is about preservation of power. And in America, preservation of power is held by white people. Boom. Drop the mic. That's it. Okay. So that's just it. I mean, there are other groups that also have managed to preserve power, but I feel like for what it's worth, white supremacy is the bottom line in this country. When we look at like programs like this ending and we look at, you know, Warner was bought by Discovery Plus. Yep. Discovery Plus is a British company. And from what I understand, the individual who owns that company is considered a very conservative thinking individual. When we look at history, which we always have to look at, we know that during McCarthyism, the industry of entertainment was very impacted. We know that as recently as the 50s, this has been brushed under the rug in a very effective way, but as recently as the 50s, the government 100% completely changed the way that entertainment was being created and being given to the people. And there were a lot of folks that were blacklisted, that were impacted, like people like, Lucille Ball, you know, like yeah. giant stars. Yeah, um, like saying like they were communists and stuff. Mm -hmm. And why? What happened for the people that don't know? Like what if you could like sum it up quick, like what happened? So McCarthyism was basically um, Senator McCarthy was this jackass senator. And listen, most of them are. Um, who basically decided that he was going to plant his flag on raising a fear in this nation around communism. And so he, because of his position, he was able to really infiltrate spaces and get people on his side to like be his like sentinels, right? And try and poke out like, who are the communists? Who are the communists? And basically it was called the Red Scare. So remember, mm -hmm. this is also during the time of like the Cold War, when mm -hmm. America thought any day Cuba was gonna drop a nuclear bomb. Yeah, really, yeah. All, all of this is just a reaction to Americans dropping nuclear bombs and being like, y'all ain't gonna do the same shit that we did now, right? <laughs> right. That's, that's literally what it was, literally. <laughs> we saw what we saw, we did and was like, oh no, we don't want that done to us. Yeah, no, now. At the end of the day, it becomes like, how do I get power? And so once you have a scenario like that, people are so willing to lie or do whatever just to feel like they somebody. So they'll throw you under the bus. They throw her under the bus. Like, and it would be like, like I learned about this sister named Hazel Scott, who is like, was an incredibly powerful performer. And she yeah. was not letting Hollywood play with her. And they wanted, like, she, she demanded that they dressed the black women in the film that she was in, that they dressed them at the same quality as the white women. Like she was making demands because of her talent and her power. She was married to Anne Clay Powell. I just learned about her because I got to speak about like being a black woman in Hollywood as a part of her, a documentary that's happening in PBS. But my, I bring her up because she got targeted mm -hmm. and they took her out and we don't know about her. They said that she was the level of famous as like, Lena Horn, like she was up there, but they successfully took her out and she's become a hidden figure of sorts because like, we don't know about her. Wow. But I say the reason I bring all that up is because I feel like that's where we're going. Hmm. And trying to blacklist people. I feel like we're going in a direction where entertainment is going to once again, be very, very skewed because of the way the government is changing and the way that the energy of America is changing. And there is absolutely a real need for folks who are against that to be very loud and to be very, very emphatic. You know, seeing them moved on Lemon from Late Night 
to morning, yeah. seeing them cancel this. Like these are all little things that you start putting the, and I'm not a conspiracy theorist by any mean. I just, when I took the gifted test in, in kindergarten, they said she is very good at trends. She can follow <laughs> trends. And I'm just looking at the trends. I'm just like, damn. And you studied this too. And, and, and you got a master's degree in African-American studies. So you, yes. you, you know, you know what you're talking From about. From Columbia. Let me just let everybody know that you are what? speaking. Yeah. Drop yes. some stats on them, Serena. <laughs> <laughs> a, a master's degree in African-American studies from Columbia University, just in case people needed to know, know that information. You, just, you, you know what makes it unique, though, is that at Columbia, like there's African-American studies programs at a lot of universities. But in our program, rest in peace to Dr. Manny Marable, he was really about like, how do we study the past to create a better future? And it wasn't a literature based course and it wasn't a history based course. It was a sociology based course in that way. Hmm, that's awesome. Like his first day, y'all, he walked in with his Frederick Douglass hairstyle. And he like <laughs> slammed these books on the end of the table and we're all like, ah. And he's like, do you want hip hop to die? He was I love how you talk about that. I saw your clip uh, when you did the interview with NPR and you said people don't like to talk about race because they feel like it's going to cause a, a divisiveness or something like that. But we are living in a time, like you said, where you do have to be loud about these things, because if you're not, if, if you if you don't speak up about these things, then slowly and surely we're going to start seeing things change right before our eyes. Yeah. So I hear a lot of people don't want to talk about race conversations. So I've been hearing a lot of things online, like normalized race conversations. Like even in 2020, when Renee opted out, she was actually scared of doing that because she was bringing up a topic of I'm basically boycotting because there's a lot of racial tension going on right now. And she thought she was going to get blacklisted for that. But to your point, it didn't happen back then. And we got too empowered. So now they're trying to do something now because we're like, OK, what, they, they got too empowered back then. Like now we got to be something got to change. <laughs> Yo, your reaction, your facial Amanda is the best. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, listen, you know, it, it's people always ask me, like, what's going what's different now than the 60s, like with civil rights? Like, what's different now? And I'm like, Wi-Fi. Mm -hmm. Right. The age of information. Yes. Right. Access to each other, access to information. I get so frustrated because I feel like folks are willfully ignorant and there's mm -hmm. no reason right. for that. You know, right. I don't know how any self-loving black person can even suggest for a moment to vote for that dude that was in office previous. And, you know, cause I'll still have people be like, you told us to vote for Biden. And I'm like, what was your other option? Exactly. <laughs> they'll either say, well, I could have voted for so-and-so or they'll be like, I could have not voted. And I'm like, so, oh, we're just different. Those are not options to me. Right. Mm, you right. got to vote. You got to just pick, you got to pick a side and roll with it. And when it. we're talking about, you brought up a little bit of politics and, you know, I'm sure you heard about the news story of the president of the LA city council, uh, Neri Martinez, in case people don't know, she was caught hot on mic. record with a hot mic, basically. But I don't even know if that was necessarily the situation. But she was talking to other city council members. Now, a lot of people from the black and brown communities are outraged by the remarks. But it's not only that for me, but I think this touches on not only racism, but politics in general. Like the like city of L.A. I hear has their own set of politics in, in a sense of that nature. I don't know if you live there or anything, but what are your thoughts on like politics and, and people are surprised that maybe the fact that it was a Latina saying that, like, I just want your thoughts on the whole situation. I do live in LA. I mean, I think for what it's worth, they're not a unique case. And if they got caught this time, it's because they've been doing it. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, this is not, someone didn't just randomly decide to record them this day. Somebody right. was like, I'm gonna record them this time. Uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I've, I've heard enough I'm about to get it this yeah. time for real yeah you know someone had said to me so I put up a video where I was reacting to this woman's and to their conversation right and so someone in the comments it had been reposted somewhere and someone in the comments was like well what I don't like about this video is that Amanda is reacting to what they're saying as if she's perfect and if somebody played a video of Amanda talking I'm sure that she would not be absolved of any you know negativity or whatever and I'm like, oh, I'm sure there's videos people could play at me where people will have some shit to say. Yeah, they have shit to say about people, about videos I put up of myself. Um, so, but I think what the caveat here is, is that I am not in a legislative position. I right. am not in a scenario where I am making decisions about the constituency that I also have biases about. That's what these people are. 
I am not an elected official that is meant to serve communities. And to be that position, while you are talking about in disparaging ways, the communities that you serve, it makes it to where you are no longer a valid choice for that position. It's that simple. That's it. Right. I totally agree. And that's why we have so much work to do in our community because a lot of times, you know, they talk about what we do and what we, as far as voting, the people that we really need to know are our local people. Definitely. Those are the ones that impact our lives the most, not the, you know, necessarily the national election. We need to be looking at our local Georgia. People. Georgia. <laughs> we hear from, I'm here in Georgia, so I don't know Lord if you know Amanda, but I'm based in Georgia. <laughs> So if anybody lives in Georgia, y'all know that we have seen an array of ad campaigns that almost look like skits to me. It could probably rival your improv show, Amanda. It could probably be as wild as your improv show at this point because it's getting crazy in the political world. And I'm sitting here in Georgia where... There's a lot going on, Amanda. There's a well, lot sometimes going I'm on. just like, are y'all trying to be politicians or comics? Like, what are y'all? What are y'all, <laughs> what are y'all trying to do? What's going on? Right. No, it's frightening. And you know, you have people like Ted Cruz in Texas, and it's like, I watch him, and I'm like, oh, you think you're famous? Like that's <laughs> like that's your vibe. Like you walk around like a Kardashian. Like that's the energy. Unfortunately, that's the energy. And he even said it in the airport. He said, "Do you know who I am?" You, Let, saw that clip? you see exactly. <laughs> I be yep. knowing. It's almost as if it is a popularity contest, and not more so a stand on certain topics contest. Well, I will se. say that our, our previous administration proved that. Our previous administration, he came from a crazy position to become president. I'm sorry. I just that's just me. So I think that all of them are trying to walk in his footsteps, per se. But that's my thought process. My thing about him is I think it's deeper and darker only because like, okay, so we've seen folks that were in television or whatever, like become politicians, right? Like Ronald Reagan was an actor. You know, Arnold Schwarzenegger was governor of California. Al Franken was a, I don't know if he was a senator or a congressperson, but he was also like a comedian and actor. And as somebody who is in this field, like being able to talk to people, you know, that's a part of being a public figure, right? So I get why that may not be as abstract of a transition, but I think with Orange Trash, I think the thing about him (laughs) is that he, he got into a position but through like sinister means, Absolutely. like there, like, like he rallied folks behind a message of hate. Yes, there you go. Yes, he rallied folks behind a message of hate. And so I think that um, yes, he has encouraged these other folks to think that they can too, like, be in the spotlight in the same way. But I think that it's the marriage of them doing it as like this actor type vibe mm. with. This hatred message. It's the combination of the two for me, because that's what makes it a cult. Yeah. And the influence. And it it has a big influence. And, you know, like people know that influence right now is almost everything to them. I mean, the truth is, too, it's like so I had I had hit up my homeboy to ask these other dudes if I could come on their podcast. And they turned me down because they said we don't want to talk about politics. And she's not a rapper and an athlete. What? I'm not going to lie to you. It it hurt my little feelings. Okay, it hurt my little feelings. Wow. But I'm just like, yo, I thought about it. And I was like, I never... Like I've always been someone who was like socially conscious, but I've I only recently feel like I became more politically like knowledgeable where I like learned these white people names and, you know, like I like made it my business to learn these white people names. Like, and like, just so I can like talk, you know what I mean? Like just so I can like speak um, knowledgeably, but also so I can like truth translate for folks. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and, and Definitely. I just thought about it and I was like, you know what? I don't want to be nowhere where we're not going to touch on politics at, mm-hmm. at, at, at because we're in such a time of crisis. If we're not talking about it everywhere, even in we're the in smallest trouble. of ways, we're in trouble. We're in trouble. Exactly. exactly. We're in we trouble. Exactly. You preach, girl. You go ahead and preach. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Mama. <laughs> Coming up next, we continue our conversation with Amanda Seals, and I ask her, has her social media ever affected her acting career? 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm going to remind the people to get master's degree in African-American studies from Columbia University. So I want to ask you, what role we saw a lot happen in 2020 and athletes really were at the forefront. What role do you think the athletes play in teams and, and sports play in shifting the culture, even in the political realm? Because we've seen now that shift of the shut up and dribble to where now athletes are heavily involved in who or who doesn't get picked as whatever position they're running for. Let me tell you something in Australia. They are, don't quote me on this because I feel like there's nuances that I'm missing, but basically like the Aborigines, like the indigenous people of Australia have never been represented in government. And like, they are trying to now like get representation in government. And the, the politician who is really at the forefront of this, like he brought on Shaq. Wow. Shaq. Yes. <laughs> like he's enlisted Shaq to like help bring this message to Australia. So wow. like even outside of America, it's like Shaq. I you a big nigga come over here and talk to these people. <laughs> Shazam, you know? Like, Shazam. So I say all that I say all that to say Oh my god. Um you know shut up and dribble is so funny to me because we are no longer in a time where your profession is the only thing you are. Like yeah. it, that's what it used to be. It used to be like you're a musician and you do music. I don't know nothing about your life outside of the music you're doing. Y'all, Prince would not have been able to be Prince in this era, right? So much of the dopeness of Prince was the mystique yes, of Prince. Yes, absolutely. Right? Yep. So like <laughs> in this era, like nobody has mystique. Like every, and even mm -hmm. if when they're, even when they're trying to have mystique, eventually it's like, aha, gotcha, bitch. You know what I'm Beyonce tries. She tries. She tries. She yeah, tries. She tries. But ever so often, she has to be like, look at my kids. You know, like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. <laughs> so I feel like, you know, athletes are a part of that same conversation, right? Like, they have so much reverence by their fans. They have so much visibility that there is a certain level of responsibility that they have by nature of those things to show up right. And they are also, on top of that, incredibly privileged. And with privilege comes obligation. Mm, I love yes. that. Ooh, with privilege comes obligation. Yes. And, you know, athletes as well, they are the ones who bring so many cultures together for that yes. game. And yes. so what other platform we need to really pattern ourselves after athletics, because when you're playing and your teammates, nothing else matters. And so we need to get to that with how we deal with people in everyday life, really. But I do feel like there's there's a power that athletes have in saying like, we're not going to be just entertainment for y'all. Facts. Mm, you know, yeah. like you don't get to just come here and enjoy what I do without hear my message and having regard for my experience. Oh, right. Yes. Yes. Yep. Because yeah. how many stories have we heard of like athletes getting pulled over by cops who didn't know that they are athlete, you know, and they was about to take, they about to, Tear them up. And then they're like, oh, no, that's so-and-so. <laughs> <laughs> it ain't funny, but it's funny because of how it, true it is. Like, yeah. it's not funny, but. So because I can put this ball through this hoop, you're not going to hurt me. But before that, right. I was, it was for the taking. You were trash. Yes. <laughs> yeah. so listen. So I, do, I just the think. The color yeah, trash. So no, I mean, that's amazing because I was going to ask you, like, you know, at a certain point, it was. With, Blue and, trash. And the, <laughs> At a certain point, it was like not okay, yeah. maybe for athletes, but with you and your, like you're in still in Hollywood. And so your Instagram, first of all, is unapologetic. That's what's up. Yes. Does that ever affect your actual job and casting? And has anybody on your team ever been like, whoa, 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 you might want to slow down there. People might not like it, you know, because that was the ultimate fear in sports to why athletes didn't do it in the first place. I mean, that's the ultimate fear in Hollywood still, you know, mm -hmm. like if you think mm -hmm. about it, like. There aren't a lot of me's and I'm not saying that there aren't folks that do things behind the scenes. And I'm not saying there aren't folks that, you know, create content that challenges because that's absolutely true. 
But in terms of like the vocalness of yeah. it, like it's not really as I don't feel like I'm a part of a camaraderie ship of people. But that being said, there was a point in my life where I was like transitioning out of music and trying to figure out where my next phase of life was going to be. And it really was a very kind of uncertain time. So you're just kind of taking insight from anybody who's got something to say. And the thought process was like, oh, Amanda, like you need to like get white people on board. Like I've talked about this in a number of places, but like there was just this thought process that I needed to stop talking about these things because it's like keeping me from becoming a certain level of famous. I got over that hump and I just decided like, I'm gonna be as black as I wanna be and anywhere that doesn't want that is not for me. So I kept it moving in that regard. But I remember when I was um, selling, I was trying to sell Smart, Funny and Black to a network. The original logo had a black power fist on it. I was partnered with Jesse Collins and Dion Harmon, and they are who produce the Super Bowl halftime shows, oh. the BET awards, they executive mm-hmm. produced my special Abby Nowen. And right. so we were working, but this was our first time ever being like put together because we had the same agency. And so we were put together to work together. They black, I'm black. So they put us together. <laughs> so, uh, which was the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Cause those are two of my closest friends. And I remember my agent saying when we were sending them like the deck, which is like the basically like the PowerPoint presentation of the show, my agent being like, I think you should take the black power fist off of the logo off of the cover. Hmm. And I folded. It was early on and being, it was early on me being in LA and that's, and I, I look at people and I get like, I try and have grace for people because I know how easy it is to fold yeah. because especially when you're chasing your dream and especially if you have a humility about things, you're like, well, maybe I don't know better. Like maybe they do know better. Maybe they know something I don't know and I should do this. Right. And at that time I was very much in that space and Dion was like, fuck that. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Y'all, Dion was not here for it. Okay. So, and I I was like, Dion, listen, like this is what my agent is saying. Like, this is what the team, the team, like we all talk about the team. This is what the team yeah, is saying. Yeah. And she was like, that's bogus. She was like, I ain't with it. I don't like it. Like, <laughs> and that's why that's my dog to this day. That's why that's my dog to this day. That is amazing. Nice. And one last question. I want to know your thoughts on generational wealth, because that's kind of when, when my family got to have a seat at professional sports ownership, it wasn't about just the generational wealth for us, but it's like, that's a legacy building thing. And so I'm curious your thoughts on, because we see a lot of other cultures, they build and they build together, they build strong, but what are your thoughts on generational wealth? Um, you know, for me, I think a lot of folks don't think about generational wealth because they don't even have access like to consider that like check to check is a real thing yeah the concept of generational wealth requires vision it requires support and it requires financial knowledge right and education which is something i think is like super duper lacking in our community and there's just a survival mindset it's a hustle mindset i need to get from today to tomorrow i need to get today from tomorrow like even like you know, so many drug dealers, it's like they just keep coming up and falling off because they're not stacking and like putting the money in somewhere else that can grow. Yeah. So they on and then they right. off. And then it's exactly. like, ah, but I've got, I hit a lick and now I'm on again. You know, and it's right. like, what's the point? And get it right back. <laughs> literally a song about spend a check and get it right back. There's a song about it. So, you know, generational wealth is an imperative part to black liberation, the same way that education is right. But we saw these things happening and we saw them obliterated, right? We saw that happening in Durham. We saw that happening in um, Tulsa and Mm. we've seen how this is a thought that is not fully thought out. So don't even try and judge me on it, but I'm going (laughs) to, I'm going to philosophize on it for the sake of Montgomery and Co. (laughs) (laughs) But I know it's not, I know that it's not like a innovate. I know that this thought has been talked about by by other people, Mm -hmm. but like integration really disrupted the idea of generational wealth for black folks, because I feel like it became less about us trying to figure out how to do things together and figuring out more how to get into their spaces, quote unquote. Right. And I think that 
in a perfect world, it would have been how do we get into their spaces and continue to do things together, right? Like, yes. how yes. do we get yes. that money and funnel it back? How do we keep funneling it back, funneling it back? Right. right. A lot of us became detached. You know, the thing about capitalism is it comes from colonizing and colonizing is really about like, how do I get this to get on? And it's very individual. Whereas like black folks, we come from a tribal mindset. And even if one tribe wasn't fucking with the other tribe, it's still like, yeah, but in this tribe, like we tribe, right? We we squad. And we haven't had the opportunity to form tribes in that way Mm -hmm. in America. Like we instead form gangs. And those gangs don't feed each other with positivity. They feed each other with toxicity. Mm-hmm. And so it still ends up like, okay, we're, we're together, but we're hurting each other. Like, you feel me? It's a thing that I'm always trying to think about and really work towards. But like, I, like my father, who I don't fuck with, but like my father had a house in Boston in like Roxbury, which is being gentrified. And he sold it. And I'm like, you got five kids. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's Mm-mm. that's legacy. Why would you do that? Yeah. This, this man has a business degree from Tufts. You have an MBA from Tufts. You have an uh, MD from Harvard. Wow. wow. Okay. Why are you doing dumb shit like that? <laughs> That's how generational wealth could get messed up too in the form of when you do actually have the access. You talked about the knowledge of it. This is an asset that you have that you kind of didn't even get the most out of when you had the access to it. That's the thing where the knowledge comes yeah. in. Land and possession, like these are real things. You know, yes. being able to have streams of income that exist without you having to physically do the work. Like these are real things. You know, understanding the way that interest rates and, yeah. you know, um, these stocks and debt and credit work. You know, oh, a lot yeah, of these people, mm-hmm. a lot of these people ain't rich. They just got credit out the wazoo. Right. Exactly. America right. is not a rich country. We just have really good credit. Right. Like, yeah. no, you're right. Everywhere. Yeah. You know, we basically mm-hmm. take over everybody else's economy so that we can be like, oh, well, see, we got their economy now. So we have good credit. So mm-hmm. I, I yeah. think generational wealth is something that is so necessary, but feels very far away, if I'm being honest. Because I think before we can get to financial literacy, we need to get to community literacy. Mm. And my existence on the internet has let me know that we are, as a community of Black folks, we don't have enough community. Yeah, absolutely. And we need more voices like yours. That's what I was going to say. Keep on doing what you're doing. And you talked about tribes. And so we have a production company ourselves, Think Tank Productions, which is women-led and bred too. So smart, funny, and black. Let's make a tribe. Let's build together. Amanda, thank you for joining us here on Montgomery and Company. Yes. We black outside, baby. Pull up order, okay? Yes. But you see what happened? What happens is I be getting in these interviews I talk really serious. And they're like, she's a comedian. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Like, I tell jokes on stage. I tell jokes on stage. But you, actually, your comedy is how you hit the topics. Like, you've covered a lot of topics, and we laugh, but then with some serious topics, you just cover. So, if y'all know, that's what real humor is. And that's that's smart humor. You know, like, we love smart humor in in our family. So, yeah, we love We do. We do love smart Mm -hmm. humor. Thank you, (laughs) y'all, for having me. Go to amandaseals.com and get your tickets, y'all. And so, you already know we did. Support, support. So, thank y'all. I'm Nicole Young, and I'm a serial voter. I've been voting in every midterm and general election since I was 18, and I will be back out on November 8th to vote again. I went to the polls with my grandparents before I even knew what voting was. And since they instilled that in me, I have voted in every election, midterm and national, since 1971. I'm Serena Grace, y hablando de generaciones, I remember when my mom became a U.S. citizen and finally being able to vote. I remember thinking, I can't wait to grow up and vote because she showed me how important it is to have a voice. Entonces, este próximo martes, salgan a votar el próximo 8 de noviembre. What's up, what's up, good people? I'm Renee Montgomery, and I am a worldwide voter. What does that mean? Well, usually as a WNBA player, we play overseas in the offseason. So whether I was playing in France, Italy, Australia, Turkey, Russia, it didn't matter where I was playing, I was still voting. I was mailing that thing in, and I've been voting since the first time I voted at UConn, and I'm going to be voting until the end of time, November 8th. See you there.
shouts to Amanda Seals for coming through. Man, educated, hilarious, just all of that. I know it's smart, funny, and black, but I want to just elevate it. Like, I mean, y'all heard her accolades. Shouts to Amanda Seals. And if you were listening to this episode and were like, oh, wait, Twitter blue, we saw Elon Musk tweeted out that it's only going to be $8 and not 20 Well, we filmed this episode before all of that dropped, which is also why we did not get a chance to say all of our just share our grief, share our sadness for losing takeoff. And it's, it's just crazy even saying it right now. You know, being here in Atlanta, Migos was huge. Migos was everything. Migos was mainstream. Of course, we know that. But Migos was Atlanta. And so it's just a tough loss, you know, for everyone. Our hearts go out to Offset. Our hearts go out to Quavo, you know, because we understand you could see the bond that they had. You know, me being as close as I am to my family and me having a family business. Y'all hear our family business right here, you know, on MoCo. Y'all hear that we work together. We do business together. We do everything together. And that's the same thing the Migos did. And so it's just tough when you just see that someone lost someone so close to them, someone that was so important to them. Every time someone loses a life, that happens. We just so happened to get to see it live with Migos and how, you know, they were the family dream. That's the American dream. You know, you get lit, you turn up with your boys, everybody made it. That's how the Migos had to have felt. And so, you know, just thinking about, oh man, just the loss at 28 years old. And when things like this happen, it just makes me think about, you know, cherish life. I know everybody says that, but we really have to start being about it. And if you're already about it, then kudos to you. That's amazing. You know, I always try to live life a certain way. People always ask me, you know, why am I always so happy and all these other things? It's because I like, I love life and I enjoy life and I want to continue to love and enjoy life. And so when someone loses life, it's a tragedy. So rest in peace to the legend. Take off.